are continuing our series on control today. And real quickly, if you turn with me, just two verses uh, for our scripture this morning. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1, 2 would be in, in your Bible and also on the screen in front of you. And it goes like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, when I was a student, a much younger student, in fact, a... uh, child. I attended, like maybe some of you did, uh, junior church, we called it, or Sunday school. And during that time, we had certain things. I really don't remember a lot about that. That was many, many years ago. (laughs) But I do remember some songs we sang. And one song that we sang all the time kind of went like this. It went, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little eyes, what you see. Anybody else remember that song? Yeah, still do, so a few people. Well, I don't know if they do that anymore, but that was one. That, it, had, it had four more verses to it, though. Uh, the, the, the second verse said, oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. And then the third verse said, oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. And then the fourth verse was, oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. And then the grand finale, the final verse was, oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say, which reminds me a little bit of what we talked about last week. Watching our tongue, watching what we say, our methods of communication, which we talked about was not just our tongue, not just what we say, but it's what we post. It's what we tweet. It's what we text. It's what we snap. We surrender control of all of that communication to God. But the problem is, and you know this as well as I do, that last verse about the tongue and communication, really what we say is the end process in many times. It's, it's, not, the, it's not the origination, it's, it's the finalization of what has already occurred in our minds, in our minds. Dr. King says we are in, in quoting Jesus there, we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. But what does that mean? And what's it mean to give control of our minds to God? I know when we start talking about control in our minds, you think mind control. Sounds like brainwashing, you know? We think, wow, I don't want to be brainwashed. I don't want anybody to control my mind. But in reality, none of us escape all of the stimuli that come to us day by day, moment by moment, trying to formulate our thoughts, trying to convince us what is right in our mind, trying to change our mind. In fact, there was a book about 2000. It was a business book. It was called Positioning. And the subtitle was The Battle for Your Mind. And it was an advertising book. And it just talked about how how the advertisers, Madison Avenue, would try to position itself, would try to get ready so when that opening happened, they could slip in that thought, slip in that, that, that message to change your behavior. And so we, everybody, or many people, many sources 
are out there working to work on our mind. So we, we really are in a position where we say, somebody, something is going to control my mind. Something is going to have an impact. Something is going to make a difference in how I think. You would think maybe we could just sort this out. But yet the Bible tells us we have a problem. And the problem is our minds. And our minds is, is to use maybe a terminology that's not in the scriptures, but it says our minds are kind of messed up. In fact, Matthew chapter 15 Verses 18 through 19, Jesus says this. He says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false, testimony, and slander. Now, Jesus here is actually answering a question that Peter asked. Jesus has been talking kind of where we were last week. He said, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out. And Peter said, you know, as Peter tends to do, he asks the questions. He goes, Lord, I didn't quite get that. Could you explain that a little more? And so Jesus says, okay, well, here it is. And he says, it's the things that come out of the person's mouth, but they really come from the heart. And you got to understand as we hear this that in, in Hebrew and in, in the ancient Jewish tradition, it was the heart that was the center of the intellect and the decisions, the will. Emotions were meant or thought more or said to come actually from a different part of the body. In fact, some theologians say this, that this part of the body was regarded as the seat of the tenderest and most innermost emotions. And it was the kidneys. I, didn't, I did not woo Sheila 30-some years ago, by saying, I love you with all my kidneys. (laughs) If I had, our our futures might have gone a little differently. (laughs) I couldn't find one of those Hallmark cards that have a kidney on the front of it and say, I love you, you know? Just didn't work. No, we would say today, no, our our sense of intellect, we say it's brain and and a sense of emotion, our center of emotion, we talk about coming out, I love you with all my heart. I left my heart in San Francisco. You know, I left my love, my emotions all there. But here in this scripture, he says it's the heart that is wicked, but he also understands that it's, it's intellect because it says the, from the heart comes every evil thought. So there's no question of what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about what goes on up here, our minds. Jeremiah 17.9 writes this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You know, last week we read in James where the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Well, where does it get its deadly poison? (laughs) It gets it from the heart. The heart is deceitful. It's sick. Who can understand it? The Bible uses at least and and likely more a dozen phrases for the condition of our minds when it comes to sin. And you start reading through the Bible and it says our minds are confused, our minds are anxious, our minds are closed, our minds are evil, our minds are restless, our minds are rash, our minds are deluded. And it goes on to describe some people who say their minds are troubled, their minds are depraved, Their minds are sinful. Their minds are dull. Their minds are blinded. 
Their minds are corrupt. Are you starting to get a pattern here? No wonder our world is in the condition it's in. When the Bible says that under sin, our minds have been deluded. They have been corrupted. They are evil. And when I start thinking about this, I think part of the problem is, kind of like me, we always think, well, it's the other person's mind, <laughs> not mine. I, you know, I tend to, I can look out here and say, oh, you guys are nuts, but I got it together. You know, my mind, I know what it's all about. And you looking back there and you say, no, 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 I know what it's all about. It's all the rest of you. We tend to look at each other and we, we have a higher estimation of our mind than we really should have. But our minds, the Bible tells us, because of sin, are corrupted and evil, and it's a universal problem. This was brought out, and I dug this book out knowing that Dr. King was going to be here today. One of the great professors I had in my master's program there at Malone University, great theology professor, is Stephen Maroney. I just, just love the man and would sit under his class any day. He's one of those instructors. It's great. But he wrote a book, and it's called The Noetic Effects of Sin. Now, if you want to go and buy this book, I'll warn you, there was one copy left on Amazon, and it was $350. So Sheila got me this for Christmas one year when it was a lot cheaper than that. So if you would rather borrow the book than buy it, <laughs> it's here, but I will require a $350 security deposit. <laughs> but what's the noetic effects of sin? The noetic effects of sin says something, simply that sin has had an impact on our minds. It has a natural, almost a disease-like effect that cre creates in us a mind that can't fully comprehend. It's not the mind of Adam and Eve before sin. It's a mind that's, that's, that's been diluted. There's an intellectual consequence of our sin. We know the immediate impacts. The immediate impacts of sin in the garden. Immediate impacts were for the serpent, he no longer would walk, right? The serpent says, uh, God says, you will now slither on your belly. We know the immediate impacts for woman, for Eve. Going to have pain in childbirth. And you're always going to have this struggle with your husband. You're going to want to control him, but he's going to control you. And, and that's going to be an impact of the fall. For man, there was an impact. Work got a lot harder. God says, I'm going to curse the ground, and weeds are going to come up, and it's going to be difficult. And so there's, there's an impact of sin, and it's a physical impact. And there was the final impact, he said to Adam, and oh, by the way, from dust you came, and from dust you will go. There's an impact of death. But there's also an impact on us spiritually and mentally. Our minds now have been for then and for thousands and thousands of years poisoned by sin. You know, when we, even as Christians, when we accept Christ, we step into a new position. We, we were once enemies to Christ, but now we have, been, we have been redeemed and we are one of his and we are called a child of God, but we still bear the penalties and the loss that came from that sin. The impact of the fall is still with us. And it will be with us until one day Christ comes again. But anyhow, the, 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 our minds just aren't what they were supposed to be. And the Bible tells us 
corrupted, deluded, closed. Prejudices come in. We start to think more highly of ourselves. Pride sneaks in. You know what our minds can do. Moroni in his book says this. It's generally true, though, that sin distorts human knowledge of God more than human knowledge of the material world. You know, we still have some very brilliant people. We have the Einsteins of the world who are brilliant individuals. But our understanding of God, our understanding of spiritual things has been diluted. And Paul kind of says this in, in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians when he says this, now we see only a reflection is in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. In a couple of verses before that, in verse 9, he says, now our knowledge is incomplete. It's partial. We just, no matter, no matter even, if we've, even if we're a child of God, even if we're living as, as a Christ follower, our understanding of God is limited. We can't grasp. Why did Jesus have to talk in parables? <laughs> because we couldn't understand. Why would he say the kingdom of God is like because we couldn't grasp what the kingdom of God really was. It's just, here it is, and, here's, here, and so we, our minds are, are trying to understand. But our understanding just isn't as clear as we thought, because we know we see maybe a piece, but we don't even know how big of a piece we see. It's like looking at a great, beautiful picture, and you see one piece of it, and you have no idea how big the beautiful picture is. You don't know what's missing. We don't know what's missing in our understanding of God. We don't know what, what we still can't comprehend because our minds just can't, can't comprehend it. And yet there's something out there that's greater, Paul says. One day we will know fully. Because we struggle to understand. Because our minds are limited. That's why Paul says in Romans 12 too, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. The transformation is an ongoing work. Earlier in, in verse 1, he says, offer your bodies. That's a one time. That's a done, done deal. That was in the past. I offered my body to God. But now you have to day by day, moment by moment, be transformed. And we do it by the renewing of our minds. Think of it this way. Somebody is going to have impact on your mind. Someone is going to try to transform you. Someone is going to try to move you in the direction they want you to go. It's going to be Madison Avenue. It's going to be Hollywood. Or it's going to be somebody else. It might be someone you live with, someone you fall under in instruction. Or it's going to be the Holy Spirit of God moving and directing us in control of what he wants us to do. So how do we renew our minds? How do we do it? Real quickly, three things. Uh, Rick Warren, pastor at uh, Saddle, out uh, west there, says that um, there are at least 100 principles in scriptures about how to renew your mind and what we can do. We, if, if, if we're going to do all 100, we won't be out of here until um, game five of the Cavaliers Warriors. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Okay, never mind. Okay, well, we're still only going to do three. We got a, we got a business meeting to do. Um, the first thing that he says is uh, that um, Rick Warren says is, get this, don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. Has anyone ever said to you, what were you thinking? <laughs> You know, we have a tendency to believe that our own minds are superior. I mentioned that earlier. That my mind is, you know, your mind might be messed up, but my mind is straight all the time. I don't have anything that's going to mess me up. 
But notice he says, don't believe everything you think. There are some things you, you might believe, but not everything. And when some thoughts come to your mind, there, there are things that come to our mind that we should not believe. Things like, my life isn't worth living. I'm worthless. And we were kind of shocked this week as a country as we saw some celebrities and, and people who we thought had it all committing suicide. But that's not unusual. Suicide rates are up in many, many parts of the country. In many ages, used to be young people, now they're saying middle-aged adults, are believing what they hear. They're believing my life isn't worth anything. I'm worthless. I'd be better off dead. But there's other, other less, um, maybe, maybe more, more subtle whispers that come into our mind. My life would be better with her rather than whom I'm with. My life, my life would be better with him. And, and so Satan's whispers come into our ears. Don't believe everything you think. I'd be more popular if. If I did this, if I did that, if I smoked this, if I took that, if I injected this, if, if I went out with her. Or I have a better chance to promotion if I'd only... And those whispers come into us and we, we maul them over. You know, Satan didn't stop at Adam and Eve. He didn't just whisper to Eve, won the victory and took off on vacation. Satan is still at work. He's still seeking a roaring lion, seeking who may be devoured. And that roaring lion is loud. And sometimes those, those roars are loud in our ears. Do this, do that. And so, and so those voices come into us. And if we think, wow, I thought it, it must be right. Don't believe everything you think. We, we're, 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 in, we're fallible. We make snap judgments. We overlook important details. We jump to conclusions. We see only what we want to see sometimes. Surround yourself with good friends, Christian friends, who can say, ah, I don't know if you're hearing quite correctly. Take a look at the scriptures and say, does what I'm hearing line up with what God's word says? Get help if we need to get help. But don't always believe what you think. The second thing Rick Warren says is an important step to renew our mind is one of 200 or one of 100 is guard your mind from garbage. Oh boy, just went from preaching to meddling, right? Yeah, guard your mind from garbage. Do you remember um, what we talked about last week from David in Psalms? He said this, set a guard over my mouth. Well, that was a guard from things going out. Here is a guard to what's coming in. Because it's what come in, comes in that will impact our thoughts and then our words and our deeds. Listen to Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. That heart, the seat of your will, your intellect, your actions. Guard your heart. We let our guard down. What do we mean by guarding your heart? I was thinking about that when I was thinking again about our trip to Israel just a few months ago. You know, when we arrived, especially when we arrived in New Jersey to get on that international flight, we had to get through at least three guards to determine if we were eligible to get on that plane. 
We got up first and we, had, we were asked lots of questions. Who do you know? Where have you been? What have you been doing? How, you know, all these questions, finding out more about us. Then they would go through our luggage and say, okay, what do you have in here? And the, 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 the reason, and then we had to go through the regular TSA, and the reason for all of this was simply this. They weren't going to let anything on that plane that would put at risk the precious souls that were on it. Nothing, whether it's a f- bottle with 14 fluid ounces of hand lotion or whatever it is, or whether, or whether something serious like some scissors or a knife or something, or even a gun or something like that. We're not going to let anything on this plane that might cause damage. That's the way I see this guard. There's nothing that's more important than your soul, nothing more important than your mind, which is going to help you make those decisions, and anything that's going to come in and destroy that should not be allowed. It should be stopped. Don't get in here. Rick Warren says, guard your mind from garbage. But one proverb of Solomon says this, 15, 14, a wise person is hungry for knowledge. They're, they're hungry for knowledge. They're, they're going to Malone. They're doing what they need to do. But the foal feeds on trash. That trash can be foolishness. You know, we know as human beings, we need to eat to live. We need to feed on something. But we also know there are different types of calories we take in. There are healthy calories. They're, they're called brain food, like salmon, broccoli, you know. But they're, but they're good for you so, you, so I eat them anyways. Because they're, broccoli's good for you. They, they feed the brain. But then there are also what we call empty calories. They're fun, uh, but... They're donuts and they're chips and things like that. They're empty calories. And we, and we sometimes they're, they're nice, but a steady diet of empty calories will do us in. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.12, you know, everything's lawful, but not everything's beneficial. Sometimes we just fill our minds with fluff instead of the good things, the healthy things, the things that grow our mind, grow our spirit. Finally, there are the toxic calories. Um, a mushroom, a bad mushroom, you know what I mean. I know friends, I have friends who go out and pick their mushrooms to eat. I won't eat what they pick. <laughs> because there might be something toxic in there. What's toxic? Now, David, in Psalm 1013 says this, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Worthless is wicked, ungodly, toxic. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Because it is going to eventually come in here, it's going to maul around in your head, and it's going to affect little hands, what you do, little feet, where you go, and little tongue or mouth, what you say. What are we letting in I don't know if David wrote this before or after Bathsheba. I don't know if this is a regret and saying, boy, I'm I'm not going to let anything in my eyes. Or was this something beforehand and he let his guard down? And we tend to do that. We let our guard down. David saw. And then he maltered over. He sent. And then he committed sin. And the same way that Eve saw the fruit mauled it over and said, hey, that looks good. Let's take it. Both leading to sin and really disaster. So what do we fill our minds with? Well, guard also 
lets in certain things. The guard lets certain people, fortunately all of our people, on the plane because we were cleared. Well, what gets cleared? Well, you've heard this before in Philippians 4.8. What passes through? It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. These are the, these are the health foods. These are the foods, these are the brain foods. Think about them. Where do you get those? Well, you get those through your, your thought process, but you get those through reading scriptures. You get those, those through sharing with other good Christian friends. You get those through reading other Christian books, books that have been written over the past 2,000 years that inform us, that, that instruct us. We do that. We meditate. We study. We integrate our faith and our learning with these good thoughts. Finally, what do we do? This step It's from the Apostle Paul, and it says this, we take every thought captive. Here's the point. Don't assume that your guard kept out what shouldn't be there. Don't assume that. You know, David, if he did write that beforehand, I'm not going to set before my eyes anything that's foolish or folly, then he messed up, and something got in his eye. And instead of taking that thought captive, instead of saying, oh, my guard was let down, he let that thought run and run and run. We don't let the enemy run around in our minds. Take every thought captive. In 2010, I think it was, on an, a flight, somebody did get through TSA. In fact, you might remember the story. He had a, some sort of bomb in the heel of his shoe. And his thought was he was going to, he had to get, get, a, get some, get, a, get a, a match, light it, and set the bomb off. And he was trying to do that. And can you imagine if all the people around him said, well, he got through TSA, that must be okay. <laughs> that wasn't the thought. The thought was he got through the guards, so I'm sure it's fine. No, the air marshals were on him like that. He said, no, that does not belong here. That does not belong in this place with these precious souls aboard. That's the way when these thoughts get through our guards, and sometimes they will. Sometimes no matter what we do, no matter how we monitor our TV, no matter how we monitor our computer, no matter how we monitor movies we go to or what we read, or all in, in saying, I'm not going to let that garbage in, I'm not going to let the garbage in, you know, it's, somehow garbage gets in. And that's when we take that thought captive and we say, not here, not here, not here, not now. This soul's too precious for that. This was said by Paul in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient Christ. This is a battle. The battle for our minds is real. Satan has not given up. And Paul is saying we, we, we treat it as a battle. And, and we set those guards up. And we say guard. And when they, something gets through, we say no. We'll take that thought captive. Patrick Morley, who wrote a men's book, The Men in the Mirror, says this. No thought should be allowed to have its own way. No thought should be allowed to have its own way. When that thought comes in, measure it. Does this create obedience to Christ? If not, then we have a method of getting rid of that. 
We say, no, I'm taking my thoughts captive. I'm going to turn to what is good and true and noble and right and pure. That's what I'm going to turn. And uh, another Malone graduate, 1984. His name is Kurt Thompson. Uh, Kurt is, grew up in Mount Pleasant, Ohio, went to Mount Pleasant Friends Church, went to Malone, and now is a um, psychologist out of uh, Washington, D.C., uh, Virginia area. He wrote a book, Anatomy of the Soul. And in here he talks about how neuro, neuro, boy, neuroscience and spiritual practices can come together and transform your life. He said there's this connection between our minds and what we think neurologically I said that right. And what, we, and what we think and how we're transformed. He says in this that he shares with the people that he counsels. He says, I share this one thought with him, this one challenge, and that's this. And this is what I leave with you today. How well am I paying attention to what I'm paying attention to? He says as he takes his Patience in his practice, he sees this habitual situation of people filling their minds with garbage, with having a guard as to what comes in. And he says this, how well are you paying attention to what you're paying attention to? And I, I leave that with us today. How well are we paying attention to what we're paying attention to? How well are we watching and thinking about our thoughts taking him captive and saying that thought doesn't belong here. That verse in chapter 12 of Romans, chapter verse two says this, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Do not be, tra- be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How are we gonna, how are we gonna renew our minds? Well, look at scriptures. There's many, many ways, but three today that maybe you can start this week. Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything. Just because it pops up in your head doesn't make it a fact. Guard your mind from garbage. Maybe we need to start that right now, today. And then take every thought captive. Just because it made it through the guard still doesn't make it the right thought. Say, Lord, does this create obedience to you? Does this make me more like you? Does this create a more Christ-like character in me? Let's pay attention this week to what we're paying attention to. Can we do that? Get out your journal if you need to. Get out your lists that you make. And write down, what are you paying attention to? How's it affecting our minds? Because... According to Jesus, what goes in is going to come out. It's going to come out in our mouth. It's going to come out in our hands. It's going to come out in our feet. It's going to come out in how we act and do and say. But it starts here. It starts here. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your power of your word. We thank you for the power of your spirit that helps us to overcome. Lord, this mind that we confess can go out of control at times. Father, sometimes we just let our minds run amok. Lord, help us to bring them under your control. Lord, help us to take every thought captive. Help us to pay attention to what we're paying attention to. 
so that we could live lives, Lord, where we are free from guilt, free from the pain of, of the sin that we're living in, free from shame, free to serve you with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, and to love you supremely. Go with us now. May Jesus Christ reign supreme in our hearts and our minds. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To close, we're going to read a benediction, the same benediction we read last week. But last week, I think our focus was on let the words of my mouth. The next line is in the meditations of my heart. Let's read together Psalm 15, 19, 15. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You're dismissed. Go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ.